individuality doesn't exist in the way that we commonly perceive it. Really, what there is is just a confluence of influences. And these influences come together to comprise an individual and make that individual what he or she is. And what that individual is or how that individual will react uh, is very easily seen, it's very easily predicted if we know the influences, if we know those things which impress upon that individual. And if we know the influences, if we know the motivation, then we can know the intent of that individual. We can know the trajectory of where that particular person is going to, what they want, how they will generally react in a given situation. Because motive lies behind every action. And this is true not only of human being, but of all different manifestations of being. Everything has this trajectory. Everything has this intention, this path. And that path leads to a particular end in which that particular being is striving toward. But so far as human being is concerned, what is unique about us and special, more so than any other type of being, is that we are, again, this confluence of different influences. We are this multitude of different impressions, this amalgamation of, of happening that all comes together within this one particular being. And our experiences, the things that we have learned, the ways in which we've learned them, the ways in which we've learned to see, those things make us who we are. And that might sound extremely obvious, but it's so obvious that we often miss it. If we, at an early age, only learn about love, we come from a loving home with loving parents who guide us with love and nurture us with love, we, unless there is some other experience, unless there's some other influence that comes in and infiltrates that, then that individual who was immersed in this love knows only how to pass that on in the way that they were taught. Now again, as that individual grows older, they might have different experiences which make them a little less innocent about the world. They learn something outside of that original structure that they were brought up within. But until that happens, that individual doesn't have a choice to act in any way, shape, or form outside of that 
initial upbringing because that's all that they know. So until an outside infiltrating experience penetrates a single person, that original structure remains. And oftentimes that original structure remains throughout our lives. And that's why it's so important to have that good foundation. Because even when we are faced with a choice to act with love or without love, oftentimes we choose to act with it. Because our original nature, our original structure, provided so much of it for us. But all of that is merely an example to my point, which is that we are not quite as free as we imagine ourselves to be. As conscious beings, our actions are determined by what we are conscious of. And I'm not interested in a psychologist coming up and talking about the subconscious or the id or the superego. Conceptions. Those are all conceptions. I'm talking about what is. And to subdivide consciousness may have a service or a place in some sort of formal study or a classroom, but it has no place in what is. Division has no place in what is, ever. And when you begin to divide and subdivide and categorize, you become further and further removed from what is. So again, our actions are determined by what we are conscious of. Even if, as a Freudian student may say, our subconscious often determines our actions, well, whatever. Whatever type of consciousness it is, it still is there within the grand scope of our own consciousness, no matter how we label it. And we as human beings are only able to maneuver from the vantage points of our experiences and from the vantage points of how we are conscious of those experiences. And when you put those two things together, you can then see the trajectory. You can then see where you're going. And you will see that you don't necessarily have as much of a choice as you'd like to think you do, probably. Because our experiences are our only influences. And based on those experiences and how they affected us, we act. We act out of our experiences. We act out of our consciousness of those experiences. And we don't have that much of a choice 
as to how we act. What we do have a choice in is how we are conscious of those experiences. Whether we see how things are or whether we see what we want to see is our choice. So we are individuals who are constructed. We are individuals that are slaves. But we are slaves to our own constructions. <laughs> we are our own masters and slaves at the same time based on our choices not necessarily in what we experience because oftentimes we can't choose what we experience but we can choose how we experience it we can choose how we perceive it we can choose our attitude and it's our attitude that determines everything. It's our attitude that gives us the faith of a congregation or the hopelessness of a single wandering soul. And so often we choose to be individuals that are unable to break the bonds of the dictation of our own circumstances we are resigned to a particular attitude, resigned to a particular mode of being, a particular consciousness. We struggle against acceptance. We swim out against the current constantly. And this inevitably leaves us quite wearisome. So again, we are individuals shaped by the confluence of past influences and of course we are all unique because even though we may share similar experiences those experiences happen to we as individuals in very certain and particular ways and because they happen to us in certain and particular ways they're going to influence us in certain and particular ways because we are certain and particular individuals with certain and particular pasts and this is why two people can experience the exact same thing and take away two totally different reactions two totally different experiences two totally different conscious perceptions and oftentimes based on our past experiences we don't have a choice as to how we react to a particular happening we've only learned things a certain way and we rest on the learning we don't react purely we don't react based off of what is we react selfishly we react in a way that only we know how to because that is who we are and we let our past we let our experiences influence us and dictate us as human beings ask yourself how would you react to things how would you perceive things
if you could forget about yourself and be pure action itself? How would you react? How would you perceive things if you could get outside of yourself, if you could let go of yourself and those influences that comprise you? This is an extremely difficult thing to do. And I'm not saying it's always necessary to do that. Individuality is what makes we as human beings wonderful and unique and it is again a way for consciousness itself to look at itself in different ways. But how would your experience change if you could get rid of yourself? How would it change if you could be the action itself and not the person administering the act? Because again, as individuals with distinct and separate identities and ideas of self, we have taught ourselves a particular mode of being. And in turn, we eject that teaching and we project it on objectivity, on our outside experience. And that projection reflects itself in a double movement and it comes back to us and we see the world in not necessarily the way that it is but the way we've projected ourselves onto it. We reflect ourselves, our own ego, into the otherness beyond us. So oftentimes, instead of seeing what is, we see what we have chosen to see. Because, again, in our actions, we are bound to our past experiences. And if we don't let go of those experiences, we will forever continue to relearn the same lessons over and over and over again unless we can rid ourselves of our own personal identities and be pure action be pure movement then we will forever be tied up in our own personal restraints and those restraints are of course limiting However, if we can move outside of ourselves, we will find that we are greatly tapped in to something that is both beyond, but at the same time very much a part of ourselves. This original energy, this original ness, this original happening, this original composite that comes before us that is the motivating force behind our actions. And even to say our actions, quote-unquote, is a misnomer because we as individuals are simply carrying out the action, right? The action exists before us and it exists after us. We are only the conduits 
which employ the action. We cannot go beyond the limitations of which our experiences set upon us. That is, not until we free ourselves of ourselves. And we all too often give ourselves the excuse of being bonded by the circumstance. I think we have to remember that we are a part of something much, much greater than us as individuals. If you think about it, we as individuals experience happiness, sorrow, glee, disdain, abandonment, unity, bliss, joy, hopelessness, ambivalence, the whole gamut of emotion, the whole pantheon of experience is played out by us as unique individuals, and that is the beauty of individuality. However, we did not invent those things, and yet they are intimately a part of us. And what may be more profound still is that we are intimately a part of them.